0: Welcome to San Diego Woman, the podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about a few topics that affect you in the workplace and things that I think both of us, myself and Judith, have faced um, coming up and working for different companies and really trying to find our way and see what works best for us. So obviously, you know the end result starting San Diego Woman Magazine, but we're going to start with um, some of our earlier jobs and what we liked and didn't like about them. So tell us a little bit, Judith, what was your favorite job?
1: I think my favorite job was working for Canon USA, uh, the camera company. I worked in a technical aspect for them, and I went on road trips to help professionals learn about our equipment. So I was at shows and out on the road a lot, did a lot of traveling. The um, company was very good to work for. Um, they. they made their employees pretty happy. We had great Christmas parties. It was, uh, it was a fun place to work. Yeah. And
0: for me, it was a small cafe that I worked at that I managed. Um, And it wasn't one of those things where um, everybody worked there. It was more so everybody really felt uh, just kind of like united in the purpose of really wanting to give excellent service and wanting to make the place great. And I think that, really made it something that I wanted to be a part of. I also had so much more control than I've had in any other job where I was able to do everything from ordering to visuals to uh, menu items. So it was really a great playground for me in my restaurant career. Okay, so now we've shared our favorite jobs that we've ever had. But what about the worst? And I will say we won't name any names. But what was the job, Judith, that you felt was like, you wish you could have left the moment you started?
1: One of my first jobs, because I had a degree in photography, was I was doing baby portraits, actually newborn baby portraits. And we would be given a list of homes to go to throughout um, probably a 25 to 30 mile radius. And we would go there, we would set up a background, we would try and get a baby to not cry or fall off the pillow that they were on. And it sometimes took hours and, With a few of them, we never got them to smile. And for all of this work, for the setup and takedown and trying to make the baby smile, which is almost impossible with a newborn, um, we got $4 per stop. So it was kind of a frustrating experience. We had to do like, I think at that time we did like maybe 10 stops a day. And still we came out with less than $50 for the day's work, uh, which wasn't that bad at the time, but um, it wasn't something that I would ever want to do again.
0: Yeah, that sounds like that's a little grueling for me. Um,
1: for mine, it's
0: would be when I worked as a in, well in management at a major coffee house, and it's not the original one you're thinking of first. But that was the worst because it was so micromanaged to the point of you couldn't breathe unless you notified upper management. I mean, it was literally like. Every second was accounted for, and if you were there a minute late, you were considered late, and it was just as bad as being there two hours later. Um, and there were just so many rules that made absolutely no sense. But it's a corporation, and so when you have that kind of mentality, you don't—they you have to approve every single change, even the smallest ones, by like fifteen different people. So for me, that was the most soul-crushing position. I would never go back to something like that. I much prefer working for small business where you actually have influence and you're actually able to make changes that benefit the customer or benefit the clients and
1: you're not stuck in something because of procedures. I think in that type of a job, they don't really care so much about the employees as they do about the processes. And that's really what they were trying to do, get the processes the way they wanted it. But I guarantee they didn't keep too many employees too long. Well, it's not even that so much. It's that I was caring about the customer. And
0: so for me, there were so many processes that had nothing to do with benefiting the customer. It was literally just this is how we've always done it. So this is how we do it. And for me, who's like, no, this is wrong, I want to change it, it was like the worst environment to be in because I saw all these things that needed to be fixed, and there was no explanation as to why I couldn't fix them, except that's not how we do things here. Yeah, that is frustrating. So now that we've shared a little bit about uh, our past and our careers, I definitely want to mention an article that i recently saw and that was on harvard business review talking about professionalism what it means to be professional and also what that means as far as being able to bring your whole self to work so i'm just going to start off by saying that i have never and this is a fact been able to bring my whole self to work so when i was reading this article and watching these videos in harvard business review i i was like it's a great idea But I don't know how any company is going to implement it with um, resolve and with a way to make everyone feel comfortable in that way.
1: But have you ever been able to be 100% yourself at work? Now the only time I've ever been able to do that is when I work for myself, um, other than because then I didn't mind who I was. Uh, but yeah, it's it's tough, especially when you're going through the interview process, and people are asking you questions that you actually know what they want to hear, and it's kind of hard not to tell them what they want to hear, especially if you're in need of the job. Well, and that's the thing, too. I mean, how many times have you looked up and Googled, you know, questions,
0: common interview questions, and things they're going to ask me, and how am I going to present myself I mean, even down to the fact of in the morning when you're choosing the outfit, depending on where you're going, you're going to look a certain way. So am I dressing for myself? No, I'm dressing for that person and what I believe that workplace culture is and what they want to see out of me. And I'm going to say what I believe they want me to say. And then people get these positions, myself included, as I've been in that position. And you can only fake being that person for so long that it really turns into a negative for many uh, workplace environments, because you lose people, you start realizing that, you know, people aren't happy. And uh, I know, just for me, being 100% yourself, yes, would be very challenging. But the
1: idea of it sounds appealing. Yeah, it does. But I don't know if anybody could actually do it. I think that uh, we uh, we always put on a face of some kind when we go outside and step outside our comfort zone, when we're not around our family and friends. Um, you, you go to a certain place, you have to act a certain way. So it's hard even to do that, I think, ourselves, is to be 100% who we are. And I think that makes work environments tough because you're actually not dealing with the person, but you're dealing with the representative of the person, who how you want yourself to be seen. Yeah, and they mentioned things like allowing... Um
0: allowing their employees to be able to have colored hair or to wear piercings or show tattoos or share their political opinions or share other opinions and, you know, basically bring their other sides of themselves to work. And in this scenario, based off the article, it was something that really benefited the workplace because everybody felt so comfortable that it actually created uh a very, like, comfortable environment, a very inclusive environment. And it was something that worked, but they agreed that it's very difficult to be able to actually implement. If you were to do that, let's just say with San Diego Woman, I mean, what, what would you do? What do you feel like you would change in the workplace?
1: I mean, I think people need to be themselves. And, and you pretty much, you know, if you've been in control, or you've been in charge of people or a boss in any way, you can usually get pretty pretty quickly, you get the idea of who that person really is. Um, they're not going to totally be a representative of themselves. They're going to, the real person is going to come out sooner or later. Um, I think we need to let employees um, be themselves to a degree and not make everything so standard, uh, like like uniforms and you know, a certain hair color and, and all. But a lot of companies are, are more concerned with the image of the company than they are with the people that work for them. So they want that professionalism so that other people come in and they don't say, hey, what kind of places is this? They've got employees with blue hair or green hair. And really, that has no indication on what kind of an employee they can be or what the job they, they're doing is. And that's the, the fault I find, that we're judging people based off of that,
0: and their ability to do a job that has n- no holding on that. Your hair color has no no stance in whether or not you're capable. So uh, for me, I would like to see that implemented more in businesses and there not be such a harping on appearance. I mean, appearance, whether that be how you appear in the interview, how you appear, you know, at work or what kind of a, a you know, an energy you put out, like, I feel like there needs to be more understanding, and more questions to actually know who you're hiring as a person, instead of what can you do for me? What what can we do for each other? Can it be mutually beneficial for you to work for me, and you to be employed here and this to be something that can stay for your entire life or long term, for whatever that may be.
1: I mean, I have to say that I've had a lot of jobs that were in the, um, if you want to call them artsy fields, photography, writing, and people tend to be a little more themselves in those jobs because uh, it's not it's not viewed as unprofessional. It's just viewed as, oh, they're artistic. Um, and that made it a lot easier to work with people from all areas, from all belief systems, from all um looks and appearances. They didn't have to look a certain way. So I did find that better about being in in companies or in uh, jobs that were art art related. Um, When you get into the corporate world, uh, that's a whole different story. It's really hard to find a company that's willing to let you really be yourself.
0: And I think that's what we have to discuss next. What exactly do companies do to try to make you feel more comfortable? Let's dive into that. So the next thing that I want to dive into is another another article that I stumbled upon called If You're Calling Your Work Team Family, You're Doing It Wrong. And that's by Bruce Poon. And something that he mentions is that it's not uncommon to hear employees referred to as family nowadays. And it can feel like it's harmless. It's a way to generate camaraderie, community. It's something that businesses feel is a way to make everyone more comfortable. But your coworkers are not actually like a family. You're born into your family where you work and who you hire involves making choices and encouraging employees to think of one another as family can have negative consequences. And he goes on to talk about his experience in creating a family culture. And he says, I first realized the dangers of calling employees family early on in my company when I had to let several people go for performance reasons. These were gregarious people who were beloved by their coworkers. And when their teams found out about the firings, they were absolutely beside themselves. My decision was widely questioned. I realized we had created an environment where the unconditional love and support for longtime colleagues clouded our collective ability to make smart business and hiring decisions. We needed to make a change. So I'm gonna speak personally on my belief. I have to say that my experience with the word family has been that companies that use it are usually the most abusive of your time and also the ones that kind of wield it in situations where you want to say no. So for me, the company that I worked for that I remember vehemently using, family, almost every other time, it was always about, you know, this is something we're family, we got each other's back, so you're going to cover that shift, right? We're family. You know, this is what we do for each other. So you're going to come in early, right? You're going to take on that extra project because we're going to have each other's back. And we're going to, you know, you're loyal to this company, so don't think about anything else. And it just became something where it almost felt like, um, I don't even know what you'd call it. Guilt. Guilt. They they do. They ensue. They, they create a certain amount of guilt within you. Like you have this loyalty. And if you don't show that loyalty to your family, you're doing something wrong. You're not a good employee. And it's like almost
1: paternal or maternal where you're like, oh, my God, like I shouldn't do that because that would be wrong. I mean, growing up Italian with Italian parents, um, we were very familiar with the concept of guilt. And that's pretty much how how I grew up is that you knew you would never want to do anything that would upset your mother or father um, because you felt such guilt about it. And I think that a lot of times companies use the family term to try and get out of you things they shouldn't get out of you if just you were just a normal worker. Um, the extra shifts, the extra hours, the working weekends, the coming in on your day off. Those kind of things are usually followed up by, remember, we're family here, we have to work together, we have to make this work. And in, in reality, they're just abusing you. So when you use family for those purposes, um, I don't see that it's uh, beneficial to anyone. Maybe beneficial for a company in the short run, but in the long run, they're going to realize that sooner or later that family of yours is going to want a divorce.
0: And well, that's part of it too. Is if you don't come from a solid family, and these dynamics are playing out in the workplace, you're going to feel at times taken advantage of, and you're going to feel at times that it's a very uncomfortable situation for you. And you don't want to go and, you know, have lunch with all the employees, you know, if you don't have to. And you don't want to have to foster these things that are, you know, not organic to you, but you feel you then have to because everyone's family and we must all do the same thing. And to me, it's literally one of the most toxic words. And I've learned that if I hear it, I'm running away from it.
1: You don't take that job. No. <laughs> Go run to the hills and get something else where you're considered a good employee and not a family member. And that prior
0: article that we were discussing wasn't the only one I stumbled upon. There was an article in the New York Times called Your Workplace Isn't Your Family, and That's Okay. And that was written by Tim Herrera. There was also an interview in it that he does with Alison Green. And she is... Um, a career advice blogger. And so I wanted to go over what she states. So he asked her, what's so bad about calling your workplace family? And she responded, work can definitely be a place where you have warm, supportive relationships with your coworkers and genuinely care about each other, but they're not families. That might sound like semantics, but we're like a family here tends to be used in ways that really disadvantage workers. It often means that boundaries get violated and people are expected to show inappropriate amounts of commitment and loyalty, even when it's not in their own self-interest. I suppose in theory, it would be possible to use we're like family here to mean we all know each other well, communicate well, and serve you delicious food on a regular basis. But in practice, the companies and managers who say this are usually dysfunctional.
1: I think what Allison Green said uh, makes a very strong point, and that's that when you're doing something with your family, like say you really had a family business, like a family restaurant or uh, any kind of family business, you will work long hours. You will work for less money. And that's really what the term family is trying to get employees to think of, well, I have to do this because it's my family. And I definitely think it is a psychological you know,
0: game that a lot of companies will play uh, with employees the other thing to think about is we were just talking about you know not being able to be 100 percent yourself well i can guarantee you when you're going into these interviews with companies that have these kind of family dynamics they're looking for those generic answers. They're looking for you to say what they want to hear. So if you were to go in an interview with one of these corporations, you won't, wouldn't necessarily be hired if you were 100% yourself because they know they can't mold you. They can't, you know, use you for your full extent of employment. There's going to be somebody who if they went in there and said, yeah, I love, you know, surfing. So I really like to go to Hawaii two times a year they're not going to be okay with that because they're already seeing that you're not going to fit in with that loyalty factor that they're looking for.
1: Yeah, it's it's tough because you want to get a job that you'd be happy at and you want to get a job that allows you to be yourself. But most of the time telling them who yourself is, is detrimental to you being hired. So I think, you know, we have to be careful what we say and we have to be careful how we say it, but we have to make sure that we're not being taken advantage of.
0: And I think that, you know, just to bring this to a close that what companies have to do is be authentic to themselves. I think using words like family, or I've heard the word tribe, and I've heard things like that. It doesn't benefit you to create a dynamic that doesn't keep your employees long-term or make them happy because in the end they will leave there will be something that makes them feel the way that your company does not and that could just be included or feeling valued or feeling appreciated and sometimes in those family dynamics you don't really feel that you feel that sense of like I need to be there they need me but other than that I mean that that wears you down so in you know a way I just think that we need to you know, remind these small business owners who are going to become heads of corporations someday that you need to think about authenticity. So is this what you, is this a place you would have wanted to work at? Is the, are these the benefits you would have appreciated as an employee before you were in management? Why are you creating these, this culture and what does it really mean to you, the business owner? If you feel like you have an authentic work culture and a business that you want to share with San Diego women, reach out to us. Judy, tell them how they can share their story with us.
1: You can email us at editor at com, or you can give us a call at 888-275-7125. We'd be happy to hear your story and to present you on an upcoming show. And if you have opinions on
0: what we talked about today,
1: so if you have
0: worked for a company that uses the word family, maybe you had a positive experience, we're definitely ready to hear that instead. Uh, If you had a positive experience, if you have an opinion on anything we talked about, drop it in the comments on our Instagram. We're going to post this podcast today. We definitely want to hear what you have to say, and then we will reach out in the next one and be sure to respond. So thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.